It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pacers fans, happy Friday. This week for me went by really fast, but for a lot of people I know, went by really slow. You made it to the weekend. Congratulations. Welcome in to this edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we talk about the Indiana Pacers five days a week. Today, we're going to chat about that horrible performance in Golden State. The Warriors ran all over the Pacers. Not really unexpected. It just uh, sucks to see in reality, if that makes any sense. Uh, so we'll run through why that happened and what is going on with the Pacers offense. Uh, then I'm going to talk about Aaron Holiday playing good, how he can get a few more minutes possibly every game. Uh, he was really good in this particular game. Uh, and then close again with some March Madness stuff. All the, all the best uh, March Madness stuff. So I'm really not about, it's not going to be about the tournament because this is an NBA show. Uh, and, well, this is a Pacers show, comma. Then <laughs> then this is uh, an NBA show. Like yesterday, I talked about the general NBA. Um, I just want to talk about some prospects uh, that could be available in the Pacers range um, that could that are playing in the tournament that you should watch. Uh, keep an eye on because you might be watching again next year. So... First and foremost, let's talk Warriors because that game just happened and it was awful. Um, the the Pacers hung around for a bit, but not because their offense was doing anything well. It was just some of their it was their defense doing well, just kind of like a mess of a game. <laughs> and the other part was the Warriors missing a ton of shots. Uh, it was like forty three thirty seven with about two and a half minutes to go in the first half, and the Warriors did pretty well. They scored ten points in that final stretch. The Pacers actually did okay too. They scored six of their own, which in two and a half minutes isn't isn't great, but it's fine, I guess. <laughs> that'll get you like twenty five a quarter, basically, um, or that'll get you closer to thirty quarter. That's pretty good. Anyway, the Warriors did way better, and then in the third they just came out and hit everything, and that was the game because they didn't have to try the rest of the way. They were up twenty by the end of the quarter. Um, the final numbers for that quarter: thirty five for the Warriors, only nineteen for the Pacers. Pacers scored only 19 in two different quarters in this game, so their offense just uh, had nothing going in against Golden State, who is one of the best teams ever. You just can't have that happen. Um, so some caveats I feel like are necessary before talking about this game, and I feel like caveats can be taken as excuses totally understood because they sound that way. These are the things that your talking head kind of people will, will say to blame a loss on something. Now, I said yesterday the Pacers aren't going to win this game, uh, and they shouldn't have. The Warriors are substantially better than them. Uh, but other noticeable things that came up in this game, it's like the end of – remember when the Warriors went 27 or whatever and oh to start the season, and their first loss was to the Bucks, who didn't even make the playoffs that year. I don't think maybe they were the eight seed. Um, uh, it was it was the last game of a road trip. And I the last game of a road trip is just always like a hard game. Um and this is the last game of a road trip for the Pacers, and they happen to be playing the best team ever. Uh, and to me, I noticed in the third quarter who Thad, who had a very good game, he had 18 points uh, and seven rebounds and looked like he was one of the only guys who gave a damn at times. Um, 
he just fell dribbling the ball up the court, basically, and the Warriors scored on a fast break, and Thad got up super slow. Not because he was hurt, just because he was exhausted, and seeing him exhausted made me realize, you know, the, the toll that this road trip had really had on this team, uh, and just to see it culminate against the best team uh, ever of my lifetime, whatever you want to call it, um, was just brutal. They just had no chance ever at any turn, like... Steph Curry stunk in the first half, and they got Clay to miss a bunch. KD and, and Boogie were the only guys really doing a lot. Um, and then in the third, Curry took off. He had five threes in just the second half, which a Pacer hitting five threes in a game is like a huge deal this season. Uh, all 15 of Curry's points were on were on bombs, and KD was good the whole game. Uh, he was 6-9 from the field. Boogie good the whole game, 8-12 from the field. Clay finally heated up uh, from two-point range in the second half. They just figured it all out, and the Pacers had no answers because, you know, the, the Warriors' defense doesn't seem like it's as good this year, but they missed Draymond a bunch, and uh, their set defense is still fantastic. It's just, you know, they, they miss the three a lot because they take so many, and missed threes tend to bounce far off the rim and lead to transition opportunities for their team. I feel like their defensive numbers are kind of misleading. They are very good in the half court, and they showed that in this game. Pacers couldn't get any good looks. Turner got nothing going in good looks. He was actually forcing some stuff up in the post, which was kind of awkward. I think they wanted to make a point of going at Boogie, and it did not work. Uh, Turner finished 2 of 10 from the field. He actually did okay on the glass. Six rebounds in only 23 minutes, so in his standard workload, you're probably looking at an 8 or 9 rebound game from him, but his defense was a little below where it usually is, so just not a good game from him. Uh, Wes Matthews was also 1 for 9. He could not get anything going. Uh, Clay did a fantastic job on him. Corey Joseph could not get anything going. Not because Steph's an awesome defender. He just is really struggling from the field. Uh, he had an, a layup where Draymond defended it very well, to be to be fair to Corey Joseph here, but he shot it and it went over the backboard like it, it was all terrible. Um, and then Bojan had a slumpy game too. All the starters outside of Thad really could not put the ball in the basket. Thad was, or sorry, Bojan was 3 for 10, uh, only 9 points for him. That was his first game under 10 points since January 19th, actually. So over two months of Boyan scoring double figures every game before this one. Uh, his immaculate run may have come to an end. Hopefully he can get that back on track because that's something fun to root for. And then on the bench, Sabonis, the guy who usually, like, if the Stars are struggling, you just call on Sabonis to come in and, and microwave for you. And he was two for nine. His, he was great on the glass. He could get he crushed the offensive glass because the Warriors don't have the best rebounding bigs on the second unit. But... Bogut and Looney did a fine enough job on him defensively, and they just he they just couldn't score uh, through their main guy there. So they really were counting on Tyreek Evans, Doug McDermott, and Aaron Holiday, and if you're counting on those three guys to win, you're not going to win, and that was it. <laughs> now, to be fair, I said to be fair to those guys twice now, and I hate when I do that, but um, not to overlook those three guys because Tyreek, two games in a row now where he has actually been awesome. Uh, he was very good again in this game. He keeps showing off flashes of being like a pretty solid rhythm scorer, but I don't feel like it's like fair to be like, okay, shoot a lot more to like everyone else on the team. So tough balance to strike with him getting a lot of shots to be as effective as he was, especially when Darren Collison returns. But um, he was good in this one, 20 points, uh, getting to the basket pretty well. He plays a lot better with Sabonis, and they've been able to get him a lot more minutes with him and as a lead ball handler with, with Collison out, which has been fun. McDermott, Road McDermott, 11 points. Missed both of his threes, actually. It's so maybe not Road McDermott, but 11 points uh, on five of nine shooting. Made his free throw. was pretty good. Aaron Holiday was very good, uh, especially for his standards. Holiday hit a rookie wall pretty hard from basically January up through... Uh, early March, this game he was good. 16 minutes, 13 points on 4-for-4 four four shooting. Uh, 
one assist, one rebound. He had two turnovers, unfortunately. He had some rookie plays, but actually looked good scoring the ball and looked smooth on offense, which he hasn't until recently. But the last five games now, 9 for 15 from the field for Holiday, um, keeping his turnovers down, hitting the three ball well. So perhaps he's bursted through the rookie wall and is ready to explode out into a little bit more improvement before the season ends. Uh, and I want to see him play more after this game. And uh, I'll talk about that in a second, but... Uh, just a reminder that this game was awful and the Pacers should not have won it. And I feel like you should take nothing else away from it because thinking anything less of this team and, and based off losing to the Warriors, like you're going to think less of a lot of teams. So I just think that it was a scheduled loss, basically. Uh, they did play terrible. They played worse than they should have, but it was a scheduled loss. So uh, moving on, let's talk about trying to get Aaron Holiday some more minutes because he played good in this game. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So, yeah, I'm the harshest critic of Holiday that you know. I'm fine with that because of what I've seen from him in college and seeing him, you know, the last two months – now, admittedly, he's probably just hitting a rookie wall, which rookies hit. You know, the hot stretch of shooting he had uh, at right after Vic's first injury was not sustainable for a rookie. It's just not. Uh, let me phrase that. For, like, Trey Young-type rookies it is, but not the kind of guys in, in Aaron Holiday-level roles. So I don't think you can ever expect it of him to keep that up. Now, I also don't think you could have expected him to continue to shoot as poorly as he did uh, in the stretch, you know, from late December through early March, where he just missed everything. Uh, I'm going to pull up some game log stuff. If ba- basketball reference is frozen, guys. How is that even possible? Basketball reference never freezes. Uh, I'm going to pull up some game log stuff from when the calendar flipped to 2019, just for an arbitrary day, because why not? Who doesn't like some arbitrary days? Uh, in 2019, the whole year, including... Uh, and up through the games of yesterday, Holiday shooting 34% from the field. Um, yeah, that's terrible. 36% from three is pretty solid, especially for a rookie. And he hits his free throws. He just misses every other shot. He's he's taking that DC pull-up off of screens, and he's missing at the rim. So I was worried for a bit there. Last five games, though, like I just said, 9 for 15. Uh, hit 5 of 6 from three. Finally hitting some shots well. Swerving around some guys. Turnovers are are way down, down to 0.3 per game over that stretch. And um, I'm just happy to see him doing a little better, especially at a time where, where, where Collison's out and they've needed him to step up. But now it's like, to me, it's so obvious what their seed's going to be and what their first-round matchup is. In fact, it's basically set that they're going to play the Celtics in the first round to me, and it's going to be the 4-5 series. Like, they're not going to drop to 6. They're not going to get up to 3. They're going to be playing in the 4-5, and it's almost 
it seems like almost impossible that anyone other than the Celtics will be their opponent. So since you know that stuff, now it's like maybe try to get Holiday some minutes throughout the rest of the regular season. But I don't know who you do that at the expense of, especially now that you, you've kind of harnessed some of Tyreek here. Uh, you don't want to lose that. You don't want to lose touch with Tyreek and make him you know, feel more out of it. He's been doing good recently. You want to keep him in that rhythm. If that's something that can carry into the playoffs, that actually gives them a substantially better chance both to succeed as a team and off the bench. So uh, I don't know if you can just yank any of Tyreek's minutes. Kojo's really struggling. Maybe you could yank some minutes for him, but he's a vet in a contract year. I'm sure he would not like that at all. Darren Carlson, obviously you can't yank any of his minutes. And uh, unlike... Kojo and uh, Vic, you, you can't play Holiday at the two, so you're, you're kind of stuck. It's really hard to find a way to get him the minutes, but I think you have to try. You know, maybe you get funky and play him alongside Kojo at the two and Tyreek at the three and McDermott at the four, maybe just for like five to ten minutes a game. I just, you know, he had three did not play Kojo's decisions in a row before Darren Collison got hurt, and like I get why. Um, it's just how it's going to be for him. Probably the rest of the year, I think that that's what the team has in their plans, at least, especially when Sumner's back, because if you'll remember, uh, by the way, the Mad Ant season ends this weekend. They did not make the playoffs, or they won't, let me phrase that, they won't make the playoffs. Uh, They're not officially eliminated yet, but once that's over, uh, Sumner can, I believe, be with the Pacers the rest, or will be with the Pacers the rest of the way, Uh, and Nate McMillan has said that if the matchup calls for it, he will go Sumner over Holiday, so don't be surprised to see something like that, but... uh, I just think you got to sneak and steal your way into getting Holiday five minutes, ten minutes a night now. Uh, I've, I've been against it earlier when I thought they could do better, <laughs> but now that they've lost four in a row and um, things don't seem to be going their way as much with the veterans, maybe now you try to try to, to get the kid out there and get him to maybe 600 minutes on the season. He's at 486 right now, so with nine games to go, 114 minutes, uh, that's a little over 10 minutes per game, so maybe you'd have to force it a little more than I'm comfortable with. Uh, but blow some teams out and put them in, in garbage time and you got your answer. <laughs> um, so I, I bet he ends the season about like 550 minutes, which is fine, uh, especially for a guy picked where he was picked. i just like to see him get a little bit more than I just want to see him play in every game, basically, given these good games. And that's such an in-the-moment thought, and I'm aware of that. Uh, but to just, like, when he does play so good, you just want to see more of it. Like, man, I need this kid to play and be better. And it's not even a replacement for Tyreek, because Tyreek's been good, and that's usually the discussion. It's just, like, in general, <laughs> find him a way, even if it means making everybody else awkward uh, in their position for five minutes a game. Let's, let's just figure out a way to make it happen. I know that I've teetered on that fence all year, but I'm I'm set in a firm stance now. Uh, come at me, make fun of me for, for flip flopping. Um, one more thing to talk about here: March Madness is a is a foot. It's been very fun so far. My bracket sucks. I had Belmont in the Sweet 16. Uh, that was my first swing and a miss. So thanks uh, Maryland for that one. Uh, but let's talk about some prospects to look at in the NCAA tournament. It's always a fun thing. So take a quick break and we'll and we'll look at that. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count. 
getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So how about that Morant kid, huh? Murray State with the upset over Marquette, which I did get that one right uh, in my in my bracket because of John Morant. He looks awesome, triple double. I believe that's the I saw that that's the first tournament triple double since uh, Draymond Green, and, and look at that, Draymond worked out pretty well. Now he was a second round pick, and Morant's going to be top three most likely. But uh, I I I enjoyed that performance from him. He, however, will not. No chance he's available at the Pacers pick unless they trade way up. So <laughs> we're going to skip over him. Uh, for 8.9 seconds, Ben Gibson wrote a post about guys to keep an eye on in the NCAA tournament. One of them is my favorite player in this draft, Kobe White. Uh, he's a point guard from North Carolina. He's kind of a combo guard, but he's more of a point guard for them. Uh, he will not be available at the Pacers pick either, unfortunately. He is in a range where, in theory, they could trade up for him. Uh, he'll probably go... Probably between 8 to 12, so they could send Sabonis if they really want this guy, but that's not something that's going to happen. It's just not. Uh, Sabonis is good, and he could be good. Like, that's the whole discussion. Um, but Kobe is awesome. <laughs> he's one of my favorite players in this draft. I think he's very good compared to draft position. Anyway, here are some guys that could be available around the Pacers pick to keep an eye on. Rui Hachimura um, plays for Gonzaga. He's a pretty good forward. I like that guy. Uh, they completely smoked the 16th seed that they played today. So I like Rui. I think he's the second best player on that team. Brandon Clark's going to be the better NBA player from them. But uh, keep an eye on Rui and Gonzaga. They're going to be playing a lot. Uh, another one, read Mirren Fader's uh, article on him. Tyler Harrow from Kentucky. I probably just said his name wrong. Maybe it's Hero. Um, he's a good player. He's like a longish shooting guard. Um, and he, Larry Bird would pick this dude in two seconds, if you know what I mean. Uh, he went to the Pacers in Jeremy Wu from the crossovers, uh, mock draft. Now, Jeremy Wu was the guy who came on Locked on NBA and ripped us last year for saying we wanted Kata Bates Diop at pick 23. Uh, and he was right. He went in this way late second round in real life. So, uh, Jeremy Wu, to me, knows what he's talking about. Uh, Harrow can shoot. I oh mean, I can't believe I'm probably saying his name wrong this whole time, but he can shoot pretty well. Uh, 37.3% from deep. He kind of. I actually watched him earlier in the season. I forget who they were playing. Um, they lost. It was when they were like when like people were saying they shouldn't even be ranked. Uh, but he actually played pretty well in the game. I watched him, and apparently he's gotten a lot better throughout the season. Calipari's really f- put him into form. So uh, keep an eye on him. He actually could be available much later around their time. Uh, Hoopsype, if you know what Hoopsype is, they do this aggregate mock draft where they take a bunch of other places' mock drafts and, and put all the locations for every high-profile name guy together to see uh, where they could go in order. And in the aggregate draft, um, holy cow, uh, Harrow's going 25, and the Pacers look like they're going to be picking. Ooh, this is actually interesting. I don't know how many teams have a better record than them officially now. So if they fall to fifth in the East behind Boston... Um, they would be picking behind four teams in the East, and then let's just say they win 60% of their games. They'll also be picking behind four teams in the West. So they'll be picking 23rd uh, again, although they could get caught by the Thunder, the Spurs, the Jazz, and the Clippers, who all are a hair below um, 
60% win percentage. So uh, they could jump up as high as 19, actually, which is very interesting. Um, other guys, though, Brandon Clark, the other Gonzaga guy, another guy to keep an eye on. He's very good. Uh, Nasser Little at North Carolina is considerably falling in his draft stock. Um, but he wasn't ranked so high for no reason. Like, he was better than all these dudes in high school. Like, obviously, you can be worse in college than everybody expects, and maybe North Carolina wasn't the place for him. Just someone might take a swing on him uh, earlier than earlier than you expect. Uh, ben wrote about one from Iowa State, Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, he's projected uh, at, at in this mock, aggregate mock at 30, although two of them have him at at, eight, at 23, one have has him at 18 and one at 29. So he's kind of all over the place. He could go up there pretty high. He's kind of raw in skills right now, but everybody thinks he could develop into a nice wing. Uh, he's a shorter wing, but he's got you know good length, uh, physical guy, can attack wings pretty well. So I'd be happy with that pick. Another guy to watch, and this one is one of my faves in the draft again. Uh, Matisse Thibault from, I probably just said his name wrong too, <laughs> but his statistical profile at Washington State is, is fantastic. Uh, he he took Gary Payton's steals record over this year in the Pac-12. So he is awesome. <laughs> he's a two-guard, 6'5". Oh, he's just a wing. Let's just call him a wing. 6'5 uh, wing, 3.4 steals a game this year, 7-foot wingspan. Uh, Jay Billis, if you're listening, that's a shout-out to you. His offense isn't awesome, but I'm a big fan of defensive wings, especially in the modern NBA. Um, so just keep an eye out for that guy. And then a personal guy I like here, this one, is also in Ben's article. Uh, some people will kill me for this because people who actually like scout and watch college basketball don't think he's awesome. Admiral Schofield at, uh, at Tennessee, love the dude. His name is awesome, and he's super like randomly not great at a lot of things. <laughs> but his, he just like is tough and gritty and uh, plays hard all the time. Like he, he reminds me of Ben Moore in that way. So maybe they can get a maybe they can snag him in the second round. I'd be happy with that. Uh, but those are some guys to keep an eye on. A lot of the, you know, a lot of the guys aren't in the tournament who are around the Pacers or like don't make a lot of sense to me for them to pick. Like Bruno Fernando, for example, Trey Jones. They already have uh, their point guard of the future, and Jones will probably be picked before them. Uh, Daniel Gafford. They already have their centers all set up. So just it, look at the wings, basic. Look at wings, basically. Those are guys that I kind of know and like, but. Uh, as you can tell by my terrible pronunciation of their names, I, I clearly pay a lot of attention to college basketball. Um, but other people seem to like these guys, so pay attention to, to them in the tournament. That's all we got today. Uh, Nuggets coming up Sunday. Me and Adam will be back uh, the following day. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.